This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park hey. Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today, another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Got another great guest for you today. He's a young guy who just got in the space a couple years ago, and he's, he's going and blowing. We're going to hear more about his story and some lessons learned from him. Please help me welcome my guest, Mitchell Armstrong. Mitchell, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on, Ferd. I appreciate it. Yeah, you so, got yeah, it. So, yeah, um, so would you like me to kind of go from an A to B zero? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, us, tell us how you got started in real estate and then how you got into MHP, and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start from day one. So I'm 25 years old. I turned 25 August 8th of this month. Um, so I started real estate November 20th of 2020. I was uh, I got my first off-market single-family house uh, for 65k in Connecticut. Um, after slaving away, putting in nothing but sweat equity in there because I couldn't afford to hire nobody, um, we put in around 25k or so in materials. I had around 90k into it. Um, got it appraised for 265 and cashed out 75%, 198. That's what gave me my jump into real estate. So now I had some you know tax-free money to work with. Um, so I was hungry for more properties, uh, but I think because I kind of hit a bit of a slam dunk on the first one, I was, you know, I was like, man, uh, every time I saw a deal, I was like this, this just isn't good enough. So I started, you know, doing a lot of handwritten letters. Um, I got a five unit apartment building in Connecticut off mailer, uh, for 95 K I purchased it for. It's worth about 600 now. Um, that was from a mailer and I kept sending out more mailers. Actually, the only other property in Connecticut I got under contract was, um, a single family house, uh, 200 purchase, uh, about 300 as is, 400 ARV. Uh, before I could close on it, it set on fire. Uh, the tenants had rabbits, apparently, that were in the walls chewing on the electrical wires. Oh, so wow. that deal was, uh, you know, that, that went away. But I got my earnest Rabbits in the walls. That's that's rare. I bought, a, I bought a mobile home park one time, and it came with a little, it was like a little office building, but the guy had turned it into a residence, and he had, it was a two-bedroom. One bedroom was full of rabbits, and the other bedroom was his. Really? Yeah. It was, I mean, like 100 rabbits. I mean, it was like, disgusting to get that place cleaned yeah. out but um that's my only experience really with the rabbits but uh. Dude, that's hilarious because i think that was similar the uh when the fire department went there they were like telling me there was tons of rabbits and the thing is is that was the side that they, they kind of had it in a legal multifamily kind of but it wasn't actually separated off or submuted he was just like that was the side i didn't get in because somebody was living in so now i know <laughs> yeah but yeah so um Eventually, I went and I was like, listen, I got to go nationwide, you know, to try to find some deals that would make sense to me. Um, so I started looking nationwide. Actually, how I uh, started to go nationwide, I'm, I'm in West Virginia now. I'm from Connecticut, but I was talking to Alexa and I said, hey, Alexa, you know, where's the cheapest real estate in America? And Alexa told me West Virginia. So I was on Zillow for about <laughs> five, ten minutes. Wow. That's, that's a whole um, other level of virtual assistant. Yeah. 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 Alexa's a pretty good VA. So, um, so yeah, so I, I went on Zillow and I typed in like four bathroom and then, you know, four bedroom, try to find a four unit or something, uh, something small to start with. I found this four unit building in uh, West Virginia. It was completely vacant, but it was, it was rent ready. I mean, it was a turnkey building. It could use a little bit of love, but nothing like but paint and lipstick, you know. Um, it was originally listed for like a buck 20. I called the, I was, I was just lowballing these listings on, you know, Zillow and I told them I'll give them 65K. Um, and she's like, you know, I mean, 
I'll submit the offer. And they countered me at 75 K. I literally muted the phone and started cheering. I was like, Whoa, like this is insane. <laughs> you know? And then, and then I unmuted the phone and I was like, okay, tell your sellers that I'm a uh, firm. Call me back tomorrow. <laughs> so, wow. and the only, the only reason I did that is because, uh, they were playing, you know, they wanted 120 for it. If they were on their ball field, they would have had 110, 100. But I said 65 and they said 75, which has shown me they just wanted to get rid of it, you know? Right. And I told the agent, I said, listen, press this because you're going to represent me. So you're getting as much as if you were representing the seller selling it for full price, you know? Um, so now that thing cash flows is about 30000 a year. I paid cash for it with that refi money. Uh, so it's basically a 50 cap. Too bad it won't get appraised as one, but that's my return. So. Uh, nice. it was it was, uh, it was exciting um so i got hungry for some more west virginia properties and actually i was sitting on facebook um and i saw this uh i typed in west virginia in the search bar when you're in a facebook group and just see anything that could come up in the real estate page that was in west virginia um so yeah so basically i saw this mobile home park deal that was listed like three months prior and i was like you know there's t dozens of comments on it and i was like man this looks interesting but they didn't have a price so you know i, I emailed them and they wouldn't give me a price. So we went back and forth for a couple of days, just battering them for a price. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to make an offer. Give me a price. But I ran the numbers and I was like, this thing's worth like, you know, around a million as is. Um, but I didn't know what to offer. I mean, I wanted to do a burr. So every property I obtain, I want to make sure I can cash out refinance in less than 12 months and pull out 100% of my invested capital. So I was like, you know, I, I'm like, I want to be at 75% of the million. So anyways, they finally gave me a price and they said, listen, we got two guys going back and forth at 650, mostly as is. And I was like, what do you mean? That's ridiculous. So I said, listen, call it 700, completely as is, cash. I'll send you $10,000 in earnest money right now. It's hard the second I send it to you and we'll get this thing closed. Um, and you know, the reason that I did that is because I just wanted to tie it up. And truthfully, in my bank account, I had $15,000 to my name. But I'm looking at this deal, I was like, this is going to be easy to finance. So I'm literally uh, wiring 10K out of like over 50% of all the money. Did you have, did, were, you, were you under contract or you wired it before you even had the contract? No, they, they sent me the contract and then I wired it. Okay, got I it. I told them I would give them 10K EM in like 24 hours, you know? So, so I go under contract. Just, I got it off e-forms. So, you know, I just went on e-forms. I printed West Virginia contract, filled it out, shot it over to them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they, they signed it. So, uh, you know, it was a pretty aggressive contract. Like I didn't have any contingencies other than clear title, you know? So oh. um, and it, was a, it was a quick closing. So, I mean, the deal was good and I was, I was hungry. So, so how'd you come up? How'd you come up with the, how'd you come up with the money? That, was, that's, that seems like yeah. a, a tough timeline and tough contract to get it financed on. Yeah, it was, it was really difficult. So first I had to go for the primary financing. Now, before, before I made, um, before I put this under contract, I talked to a lot of brokers and lenders that claim they could do mobile home park financing. And, um, I didn't give them the address, but I gave them the numbers and they were like, Oh, all day, all long, we can fund this like 80% loan to value, no issue. So turns are at, turns out like I get it under contract. And I send it out to the same people, not one of them was able to finance it after they came back from underwriting because of the lo um, because of location or because they were just blowing smoke to begin with I, they might have been blowing smoke to begin with but i think a lot of it is the number one question i got is what's your mobile home park experience and it was none i was like i don't have any you know yeah um so that was that was a big issue but you know it was um oh also uh, it was 34 units it was a two-part portfolio but they're like right next to each other so i kind of referred to them as one deal um but yeah, so two, two parks, 34 units, 31 were park-owned home rentals. That was the other issue. 
Yeah. So let's get some hair. Any on ratio. Um, but yeah, so after uh, I, I would go on bigger pockets and I would look up every lender that ever said anything. I would go on Google and literally just type in lender and just call every lender. Um, I went on every Facebook page and just blasted and blasted and blasted trying to find financing. And I didn't count, but I mean, it was hundreds. I mean, it felt like thousands of people I was calling. Um, but eventually I got one guy who was like, listen, you know, we could probably do this loan, but it's going to be expensive. And I was trying to get high leverage. Like I had a couple of people that were like, we can do 65%. And I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to raise that kind of down payment, you know? So I was like, needed to get the most leverage as possible. So there was this one guy that gave us, gave me a term sheet for 70% LTV. And I was about to go with it. And then I get this call back from somebody. And I told him, I'm like, listen, I'm about to sign this term sheet. But if you give me 75% LTV, I'll do it. And then he's like, we can do it, but it's going to be expensive. I paid 14% in five points in oh, a bunch wow. of junk fees. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot of fees. Man, that is the hard, yeah, that is the hard no, money. How long was your term? 12 months. Oh, wow. We call so, those loan, loan to own. That's what some banks <laughs> want. <laughs> they hope they'll yeah. loan you the money, but they hope to own it when you, when you can't. You can't refinance yeah. out at the ter- at the balloon. Yeah, so it was it was tough. It was, it was crazy. So I was like, I'll take it. Done. Signed. I signed their uh, term sheet, the letter of intent or whatever for the financing, and sent it right back to them. And now I was on a mission to find about a quarter million dollars to close it. <laughs> wow. So, mind you, before I owned this, I had a single family, a five unit, and a four unit. That's all I had. No mobile home park experience. The deal was good. So, how, so how'd so, you raise? How'd you raise the money? People you knew, or random people on the internet? Oh, I don't know anybody. My, you know, I'm I'm the uh, financial supporter for my parents and, and for a lot of my family members. So I didn't have a, a mom or dad to ask for a private loan for. I had to sit on uh, Facebook. I went on Facebook and what I did, the same way I found that deal, I typed in JV and then I would type in joint venture in the search bar of every single real estate group on Facebook. Um, and anybody that's ever commented anything that had to do with JV, anybody that ever posted anything that had to do with the JV, got a spammy copy and paste message from me. <laughs> <laughs> which wow. was essentially I have this park under contract for 700 K here's the NOI. Uh, I think it's worth about 900 as is. And here's my phone number. Call me if you're interested. So I would blast it, literally blast that copy and paste to everybody. And um, I just started getting in phone calls, phone calls and phone calls and phone calls. And for a couple of weeks, I, and the thing is, is like, I can talk a lot. So I'd be on the phone for like an hour, sometimes hour plus with some of these people trying to build relationships with them. Like, come on, let's do this. And everybody, depending on who I was talking to, I would offer something different. If it seemed more passive, I'd say, listen, I'll give you 40% equity. And the other people, I'll give you 50%. You know, some people always like, listen, let's just, actually, I think that's what I was bouncing for, trying to keep 60 or 50. Um, and, you know, I kept telling them, I'm like, listen, look at these numbers. If you can run these numbers, this is a perfect fur. Like, give me six months seasoning and we're going to cash out refinance. And your principal will get returned if not we're just going to con- so well this is this is the first the first option the first option is we cash out refinance the numbers are amazing you're going to get your principal back from the cash out refinance we won't have any money in it if not then my 60 percent equity will go down to 30 percent equity until cash flow pays you back or whatever it might be you know so um the biggest thing i had uh people question me is oh yeah so if it's worth 900k right now you know, why do you have it under contract for 700? And I was like, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going to call the owner and ask them that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get it. So it's called a deal, right? It's like the market yeah. price is what I, what I can give to get it for. 
off market yeah, so. or, or, or quasi off market. They're, they're in a rush to sell. They had some medical situations going on um, and they just, they just need money. And I, I made it pretty simple. I didn't have any contingencies. Oh, I had like an eight page contract. That was basically the most basic stuff that any standard contract would have. Um, I wired them 10 K immediately that went hard. So they just so they you, never questioned me. So did you end up, how many investors did you get? It was one big investor or do you get several smaller investors? So I had several people that were interested. And when they would say they're interested, I said, listen, on this Monday, coming up Monday, I want you to call me at nine in the morning. Okay. And I want you to confirm that you're interested still, because I don't want you to tell me this now. I want you to think about it for a week and then tell me. So I told that to everybody. So I had this like set date for a Monday. Um, and I said, if you're interested, call me. So um, throughout those talks, I had people that were okay with me owning 60, with me owning 50. And then I had two guys that were like, listen, because uh, I was trying to raise 250. Um, and I was like, one guy was like, I don't have 250, but I have a buck 25. And another guy was like, well, I have a buck 25 too. So if somebody else is interested in splitting it with me, we could do some kind of three-way partnership. So I said, okay, that's fine. I'm fine with whatever. At that point, I understood the value of closing this deal because all of the financing would go, do you have a park? Do you have a park? Or even when I was raising the capital, do you have a park? Do you have a park? So I was like, I need my name on this. You so, need one. That's uh, yeah. that happen all the time. Well, this, would two. this was two. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so essentially uh that Monday came and I got the call from the first guy that was interested. 125k, I have it. You find somebody else, let me know. And the next the next person I talked to was the other guy that had 125k. And then mind you, this is all within like 10 minutes. And the next guy with 125K, I said, good, let's sign a joint venture contract. Let's do this. I hang up the phone call with him. I get a third phone call. Hey, I'm down for this. We'll do 50-50 partners. I got the 250. Sorry, man. You're about five minutes late. <laughs> oh, wow. So the, first two guys, the first two guys made it. Yeah. And the thing is, is I only own 30. I only owe 33% of those. But the deal is a deal. They came first. They get it. I need people that don't hesitate on the clock you know because my biggest fear was going through this and then pulling out and i thought if somebody was going to come back to me immediately they're probably not going to pull out so um on my joint venture contract i also made it put that if any of them by their default don't close in this loan they're responsible for paying me back the 10k deposit um which they agreed to so so yeah we closed it um out of the 34 units, uh, 33 were occupied. There was only one vacancy, turnkey, needed no rehab, rented it right away. Um, did a $50 rent increase. On average, they were about 200 to 250. The average rent was about 200 to 250 below market value. Um, and uh, we're like, listen, we're just going to do a $50 rate bump. We're already buying a good deal. I mean, we'll probably do 50 bucks and we won't have to do any increase again. You know, we'll just, it'll be enough to cash us out because 31 units. 50 bucks a unit, 20,400 in additional net income. That's over $200,000 for the evaluation. Oh, but check this out. Forgot to mention this point. So when we closed on it during acquisition, the appraisal came back from our lender, 975,000 as is. Nice. And that was amazing because every person <laughs> that told me there's no way it's going to appraise for 900. I messaged back a couple of them and I said, man, dude, you were right. Um, it didn't appraise for 900. It appraised for 975. <laughs> oh man, you're gloating. It was so bittersweet. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So what happened next? Yeah. Did you get your, did you get your 12 month balloon refinanced and paid off? Yeah. So, um, six months, I, I was, uh, actually setting this out before six months after we did the $50 rent increase and, you know, we put up our NOI and filled that vacancy. We were like, and we had a couple of turnovers. There was, I think five 
non-performing tenants during the acquisition. Um, I went there, I door knocked on all of their homes and I said, listen, I'm not in the business of taking homes. I'm in the business of providing homes. The owners told me that you haven't paid rent. Some of them like six months to a year. They haven't paid rent. I said, I can file eviction right now, but I'm going to give you a break. All the back rent, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me nothing. I'm not going to try to collect for anything. This month's rent, don't worry about it. Next month though, you will rent, get a five-day grace period, and I want you to get current. Three of those people got current, have been current ever since. Two of them got evicted, which is nice because now we have market-paying tenants. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so so uh, long story short, six months went by. Um, the day of my six-month seasoning, I sent it out with um, a broker, Emma Norman, um, and she came back, I think, uh, 10 days later with a term sheet. Um, 70% LTV, cash out, uh, five and a quarter fixed for five years, 20 year amortization. Um, really, really great terms. I mean, five and a quarter right now is fantastic. Yeah. Um, we, we cashed out, we pulled out, uh, 800,000. Um, that was our goal. Our goal was to make ourselves whole, not to, uh, you know, over leverage the asset. We wanted to keep the cash flow strong. That's why we're all investing. There's three of us. We want pa- we want that passive income. Um, so yeah, we pulled out 800k. Um, with we had about like 750 or so into it. Any maintenance along the way was just paid by the rents. Um, we never went out of pocket for any maintenance, any deferred maintenance, any problems, any issues. It all came from the rent. Uh, we didn't start paying ourselves until uh, after 90 days. So we stocked up about. Uh, I think now we carry about 40k in reserves consistently in that business account. Um, just in case anything happens, we're, sure. we're good. Um, so yeah, so we, we cashed out 800k. Um, and yeah, we pulled out the whole 800. We got, uh, all of our money back. Um, ex- and then we got an excess of 20,000 after giving both of my two partners, all of their money back, paying off the hard money loan. Uh, we had an ex in getting my 10k earnest money deposit back. There was an excess of 20,000. So, um, we each got a little bit of, you know, icing on the cake too. Um, and that was amazing. So by the time that that cash out happened, I had already owned, um, I was up to four parks. Now I'm at five. Um, but when that, when that closed, I had four parks and, um, you know, the best part of that, about that process is anybody that could see the deal and, you know, they could talk to the partners because I was the managing partner. They were silent, you know, they don't have to do anything. I'm a hundred percent, you know, on board. Um, and the best thing about those parks is they're all vertically integrated. Um, it's two parks. So there's a 22 unit and a 12 unit park. Um, at the 22 unit, there's a lady there. Uh, she's in one of the three tenant owned homes. Uh, she gets free lot rent, 400 bucks a month. And, you know, she does anything that a manager does. Um, and at the other park, we've got a guy in section eight. He doesn't want to be paid because he doesn't want to lose his HUD housing, but he loves being involved in the park. And he's been doing this for a while. We inherited him from the previous owner. Um, but HUD, so his payment is essentially, uh, we don't collect his portion of his HUD rent from him, but HUD still pays us $400 a month. And we give that $400 to the other lady. So we got free management. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sweet. Free management. It's hard to do. Yep. And, uh, he did all of our evictions when we had those evictions in the beginning, won them all. Um, he's done evictions before. So if we have eviction problems, yeah. goes to court for us. Um, they collect our rents. Uh, they deposit our rents at a local bank. We sit up right next to the parks. 
uh, money orders, cash is, uh, che checks uh, bounce, cash gets stolen. So they just do the money orders. They're all older people. We tried getting them online and even with a little bit of incentive, they're kind of pushing us back on it. It's so like, fine, just give us money orders. That's cool. Uh, they deposit a rents. They keep uh, spreadsheets for us of all the rents collected. I mean, it's, it's better than third-party management because they care a lot about the parks because they live there. So they want what's best for them. That's great. So, yeah, no, we've, so, we've, got, we've got a lot of staff that work, live and work in the park and the pros and cons to it um, for them and for us. But a lot of them work out really well. And a lot of them are good. And uh, yeah, they, they do have just naturally more pride of ownership, you know, and pride of neighborhood. So that's generally a good thing. I have a few managers that, and greeters that, that over the years have uh, wanted to have, you know, eat steak with hamburger budget. So it's like, hold, hold on, guys, we're not going to we can't pay for all that. You know, we got to do. Yeah. We're not getting the pool, you know, sorry, we, we, we'll do, we'll do a playground, but we're not getting the pool. Oh, come on. This other park has a pool. I'm like, the other park has 200 <laughs> pads and lot rent $600. <laughs> They're like, Oh, yeah. never, never mind. I don't need the pool. Uh, so that's great. So what's the plan now? You're, you're in the West Virginia area. What's your next move? Continue in that location or buy in other locations or uh, give, give me. Yeah. Give me so, yeah. But I want to touch real quick on the on-site manager thing. My criteria for the on-site manager, which I think everybody should share, is um, somebody that's either an SSI, somebody that's um, like on Social Security income, they're retired, um, somebody that's older and preferably in a tenant-owned home. No turnovers, and they don't have anything else going on in their lives. So this is kind of their main thing. So that's, that's kind of one thing that I'm looking for to fit that criteria. I just figured I'd put that out there. But yeah, so right now... Um, since then, um, I acquired a 47 lot mobile home park on 23 acres, completely cleared out and flat, no zoning restrictions in nice. uh, West Virginia um, for 200K. There was about, I think, 12 to 15 homes or so occupied at the time, like 155 lot rents. So wasn't making that much. Um, it appraised as is for 375. So, you know, we almost bought it for about 50 percent on the 50 cents on the dollar um that lead was a real estate agent young guy um like myself came up to me he's like hey man you're buying this these these deals how can i help you i said i was kind of joking when i said this i said well go to a trailer park and i want you to knock on the trailers i want you to ask for their uh landlord's number and i want you to call them and i want you to say hey listen up um i've got a cash buyer i'm an agent you don't have I, I'm, I'm not trying to represent you right now all i want to do is have my cash buyer make you a, a cash offer. And if only you like the offer, then I'll be your agent and I'll be his agent. Um, so the guy, he, he got, he got a guy like in a week, this guy. So he, he called me back. He's like, dude, these people want this park and want to sell this park, you know, uh, 47 developed lots, city water, city sewer, paved roads. I was like, okay, I mean, what do they want? And wanted like four or something like that at the time. Um, and you know, this is what I did for the negotiating. I said, uh, I said, well, listen, offer them, offer them 200. And my philosophy is the same. I share with all of the assets. So um, like the 600K, 95K building, that 65K offer on that four unit. My philosophy is if I ask a seller, what is the best and lowest they're willing to take? They're not going to tell me. But if I give them an offer that I think is so much lower than what they will ever be willing to accept, I think their counter will be their bottom dollar. So that's my philosophy. So I said, listen, 200K. And then they countered me and said 275. Again, they're on my playing field. So I <laughs> called the agent and I said, listen up, this is what we're going to do. 
I don't want you to get confused because I love this park and I want this park, but I'm going to send you a message talking so much crap about this park <laughs> and how I hate it and how this guy should be lucky to get anybody to buy it. And when I send it to you, I want you to screenshot it. I want you to send it to the seller and I want you to tell him, Hey man, listen, please don't tell him or anybody that I'm sharing this with you. But this is how my buyer's feeling right now. What do you want to do? He doesn't want to budge. All right, fine. We'll take the 200K offer. Oh my God. Bought it for 200K. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's amazing that that worked. <laughs> the art of the deal. <laughs> the thing uh, is, is if I started belittling the park to him, he'd be like, dude, why are you trying to lowball me? But the fact that I used a third party to my advantage. So it's like he's got this outer scope on what's really going on. And he clearly didn't see through it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so there's some negotiations. Yeah, we've been, we've been infilling that park. Um, I identified a 12-lot park uh, that's closing down. Gentleman inherited it from the grandma. He just doesn't want to be in the trailer park business. He wants to build a house on it. Got all the homes for free. I've been moving those in. Um, Rent-ready homes. I mean, I could have had them with or without the tenants. Uh, he had oh. tenants in there. And he, I was like, well, I don't know. Tell me your rent roll horrible rent roll, like half a market. I said, I guess I'll take them without the tenants. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, we've been moving in these homes. Um, I, I connected with a mover. I told them, listen, if you get calls, uh, somebody wants to move a mobile home off their property or they buy a lot and they're trying to build a house or whatever it might be, you don't have anywhere to put it, charge them for the moving fee. I'll pay you the same moving fee so you can double dip and bring those homes to my park. So I've got some homes from him. I got for free that came into the park. Nice. I mean, obviously there's expenses. I got to hook them up and pay to move them, but the homes are free. Right. Um, we've so done yeah, that. Be so we've done that, but we've done that before and it got harder and harder because people just started paying more and more. But some, I asked a mover one time, I said like, I'll give you $5,000 for every referral. And he said, the guy down the street offered 20. And I was just like, wow. He's like, yeah. So I'll just be honest. I'm never going to bring you one. Like, how is he offering you 20? He's like, He's offered me 20, like any condition, any home. It's like, good grief. You know, so wow. the, the shakeup right now on used homes is so, so out of whack because new home prices are so expensive and all the supply chain issues. But you know, we used to be able to buy them from street retailers. And now they, they, we never get our hands on any from those guys. Just, they know they're worth more and they, they sell them themselves. But Yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess I'm pretty lucky, but. But yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, since then I've been, you know, hounding Facebook Marketplace. I uh, just picked up a three-bedroom mobile home. Uh, these were these are tenants that were getting evicted out of the park. Uh, two family members, they're both getting evicted, so they had to move their homes. I uh, picked up a three-bedroom for two grand, and I picked up a two-bedroom for one grand. Wow. Uh, those are in my park now too. So yeah, so um, that that infill is going good. We should be looking at about a two million dollar valuation within you know ten month period, and we're going to cash out refinance year one, pull all that money out. And we'll probably be able to pull out like about one and a half when I'm done. Um, but I'm not going to. If I've got, I should have about 400 into it. So we'll pull out about 400. Keep that cash flow strong. I like having a nice balance sheet when I'm, you know, sending out my SREO to banks and stuff like that. Um, and I'm all in it for the cash flow, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so, so that deals good. But speaking about the used homes, uh, I, have a, I have a new park under contract. Um, it's too, <laughs> it changes a bit. They keep sending us updated rent rolls, but. Uh, as of today, 236 developed lots, city water, city sewer, um, about between 70 to 80 occupied uh, paying tenants. So it's a big project. It's probably worth in the neighborhood of two to three-ish about right now. Um, I have under contract for 
zero dollars down. Um, the seller is doing uh, seller finance on the down payment. We've talked to a bank and they're okay with it. So uh, the bank's giving us 75% financing. Seller's carrying 25%. The terms on that 25% is uh, $500 a month for five years. It was deferred interest, zero payments for five years, just one balloon. Um, but they were like, well, how do we know if you're current? You know, how do we know if you're defaulting if we don't have the payment? Right. Uh, charge me 500 bucks a month. Okay. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's harder to find sellers to do it, but there are sellers out there. We see it. Um, and a lot of times you see deals like that has low occupancy where it's not really bank as easily bankable. So sellers are more, more aggressive on seller finance or second carry and things like that. Just got to make sure the bank's okay with it. If there's a first position lender and there's no first position lender, you got to make sure that it's bankable in the timeline you have, because you don't want to get set up for failure where you need four or five years to get it stable enough and you've only got a two-year seller finance note then you're going to end up choking on it but sounds like yeah, you have, fav nice you have favorable because, terms yeah we got the five-year term on both the first and the second so um it's, it's going to be good you know and uh i haven't closed on it yet but they've got about 32 vacant park-owned homes there um and someone sent me a deal i just put under contract um 20 uh park-owned homes from another park that's closing down um oh. And uh, I was able to, there was, it was kind of like a bird dog. So the person that found the deal, they're getting four, I'm paying them 400 bucks a home. But the person that bought the park and is closing it down to build a complex doesn't know. They're just giving them away for free. Um, and these are nice homes. So we've already got 20 homes and they're starting to infill the beginning of this week. We dealt with the sellers. They're giving us, they gave us a lease for 90 days for free. So free lot rent for 90 days um, because, you know, we wanted to move it in now and, Take this opportunity while we still have it available um and you know we would be closed within 90 days um and throughout the time that it's there to keep things clean we just got lease agreements for uh uh three months for free to keep those homes there uh, and one step further um we're going to be selling off those homes as they get there and they're okay with that just kind of recoup that capital so we have it for closing um but then i thought about it i was like wait a second they've got 32 vacant park owned homes there so why don't I talk to them and ask if I can sell those too? So I called the guy and I said, Hey, listen, this is my, this is my question for you. You got 32 vacant park owned homes. This is what this, this is my proposal. I want to go there or have the property manager that's there now, take pictures of all the vacant park owned homes, send them to me and I want to sell them. And all the proceeds from those sales will go into an escrow account. And if I don't close that escrow account gets released to you. If it does close escrow account gets released to me. And throughout that time, you will be connect. You will be collecting an additional three hundred dollars on lot rent per home that's there. So um, it can only help, you know. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. Win win, so, win win. So yeah, now we're selling homes that we don't even own yet in a park we haven't even closed on yet, to where we're already bringing more homes to. <laughs> Creative deal structure, good stuff, Mitchell. This is a lot of good, yeah, a lot of good yeah. stuff. You got a lot going on. You got a successful story, and I appreciate it. What other tips or tricks do you have if we haven't covered yet before we go? Anything else you want to share? Yeah. So um, I think that a lot of this stuff is, I mean, I, I think a lot of it's mindset, but it's, it's networking. So um, this, I don't want to sound generic, but a lot of people who are successful um, and I see this happen a lot, you'll, you'll make the post. It'll go pretty good on social media. You'll get a lot of people reach out to you and their messages and they just want, 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 want. All they want to do is ask you questions. How'd you do it? How do you, how do you find your deals? Can you teach me? Can you teach me? Can you teach me? 
And my advice to you is actually answer those people. Take 20 minutes, hop on the phone because this 200 plus lot park was that guy. Somebody that was like, Hey, what do I do with these vacant homes? I don't know what to do. What do I do? And he was like, would you want to do a partnership? Can you help me, you know, fill this up and just get my principal back? I mean, I just want out. I, I thought this would be passive. Um, and because I sat there for an hour on the phone with him, teaching him stuff, um, he's like, this deal came from it. So now I got a slam dunk, insane, life-changing deal because I sat and talked to one of those people that chirp in your ear saying, what do I do? What do I do? And yeah. I think so many people don't actually do that. So every time you talk to somebody, for example, I mean, right now when that closes, I'll be at over 400 lots and units. Um, it hasn't been two years. So, you know, I could be talking to somebody that's a beginner right now that might have a thousand units in a, in a fund that I need financing from a year later, you know, who knows? Right. So, um, you know, always talk to everybody cause you don't know what opportunities they can bring. It's, it's, it's the biggest thing is talk to those people that you don't want to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely becomes a time suck, but if it's a time investment, if it works. Right. And you don't it know is, what's going to work. I mean, when I was, when I was a young lawyer, I used to hang out in real estate circles and there's a lot of brokers in the room. And I didn't know which of these brokers was going to become the future developer. And that would have been mm -hmm. the ideal client was a real estate developer. And I was like, some of these young guys and gals are going to become future developers. I don't know which ones it's going to be though. So, so I better become all other lawyer. And some of them are going to not go very far, but 10% of them are going to go really far. So I might as well try to be all their lawyer and try to spend time. And I gave them lots of free counsel and advice and, you know, and just lots of networking time and figured, one of these days it's going to pay off. Right. And, and one of these days there, some fraction of them are going to need services from a lawyer and I'm going to be the first guy they think of. So it was just investing in the relationships and they don't always work out, but it, it doesn't take all of them to work out to make it worth the effort. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it always starts like that, you know, just, just talking and, and word of mouth is, is the, one of the slowest progressors, but it's, it's one of the strongest, it's strong, strongest ones. I mean, Last Friday, or was it Friday before last Friday, I closed on a, a 45 unit mobile home park. Um, I purchased it for 575. My appraisal came back at 1 million as is before I touch it. Um, that was word of mouth. Yeah. That was somebody that was in the area and I just, you know, met them, and kept talking to them. And even when they told me no to selling me their park that they had in their family for 50, 60 years. Um, I just, I was like, well, the relationship doesn't stop here. So I just kept chirping in the ears and eventually I, you know, would drop it into the sentence every now and then. So you want to sell the park yet? Boom. <laughs> One day it hits and I meet them at their office and I was like, well, what do you want for it? You know? And I was prepared to make a good offer because I had a park about 15, 20 minutes away. Um, and you know, so I told them, I was like, what do you want? What do you want? And I got it out of them first and they said 625 and I went crazy. So I, I, you know, I was sitting there with them and I said, you know, again, like I, if I could have put the mute button in real life, I would have, I would have been like screaming, you know? Um, <laughs> but I looked at them and I said, I mean, that's kind of higher than I was thinking. Can we do 550? And he goes, 600 is the lowest I'm going. And I had a contract pre-filled and printed out. The only thing that was missing was my signature and a price. I had it in my hand. So I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write down 575 and I'm going to hand this to you and I'm going to sign it. Scan it back to me sometime tonight or sometime tomorrow if you want to take my offer. I got a few things I got to do. I'll talk to you later. Goes, all right, all right. That night I got the contract signed. Now if he didn't have that contract signed, I would have went back and offered him six, and then would have offered him seven, and then I would have offered him eight. Oh man, yeah, that's bold. Yeah, 
Yeah. I would have kept going because I wasn't afraid to lose the deal because it's just me and him. Right. Yeah. And you that's, know, how, that's uh, how rapport, that's how rapport works. You're not really negotiating against the field. Right. I've done yeah, that before exactly. where I'm like, why'd you sell to me? They're like, you seem yeah. like a nice guy. You seem, you know, like the kind of guy I want to sell to. It's like, great. Yeah. You know, and I was I able am. to raise. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but yeah, it was, that was my first park. I owned hundred percent equity of um, everything else was a joint venture. I had to bring in somebody with a similar structure between 50 to 40% equity on a joint, on the same joint venture structure that I initially did. But once that cash out happened and I could be able to show I have viable exit strategies, I went on the Pace Morby Investing Facebook group. It's a free group. I went on there and I posted a, a, a little ad saying, I'm looking for 100K for this down payment. You know, let's let's make a debt. I don't want to do equity. Uh, it, it kind of blew up a little bit because, you know, I had a million dollar property kind of contract for 575 and I was offering secondary collateral as well. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I think a five minute conversation or so kind of wrapped up that 100k probably money I got so um, I was able to close on the deal uh, with 100% equity and it's it's safe because um, with the appraisal in hand they can realize that I can knock out get knocked out go into a coma wake up six months to a year later not have touched it at all to make any improvements still pull out like 750,000 yeah yeah sounds great man so relationships were key and stand stand active and hustling that's good stuff man all right, Mitchell, that's lots, lots of stuff to absorb. I appreciate your time. appreciate your, your insights and ideas there. Where can, uh, where can our listeners reach out to you? Uh, you want to share a phone number or an email or anything? Now's your chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I wish I had a, I wish I had a platform, um, but we, we started a clubhouse room. Um, it's uh, if you type in on clubhouse, it's real estate, uh, mobile home parks and more. Uh, we're going live on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, we just started it, so it's a little bit new. So if you all want to pop in. Um, but yeah, I mean, also, if you all just want to contact me, you can contact me via email. It's just first and last name. So armstrongmitchell at gmail.com. Mitchell's got one L. Um, and yeah, reach out if you guys are looking to do a joint venture or need help with capital for a park to get it closed or whatever it might be, just to talk. Like I said, um, I'm always willing just to network with people, just to network because I don't know where those relationships will go. All right, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. You got it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.